Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO Brad Bourne from Ferran Technologies back for an update. Ferran trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FTG and on the OTC under FTGFF. The company is currently trading at $2.50 with roughly 24 million shares outstanding or about a $61 million market cap. I now hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks, Trevor. Um, yeah, great to have Brad back. Uh, Ferran is a company that we uh, we looked at, uh, well, we interviewed you, Brad, about five or six months ago. Um, and what I've noticed is, you know, since then, you've been very active, very busy. Um, so great to have you back. Uh, great to get an update um, and, and sort of get into what's happened over the course of the last five, six months. But before we do that, why don't we uh, sort of hand it over to you, but remind everybody what Ferran uh, Technology is all about. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Paul. And thanks, Trevor. Um, one minor correction to what Trevor said. He said we're trading on a venture exchange. We trade on the TSX. Correct. Uh, but with that, let me um, let me go through some slides and it will give you a quick uh, reminder or uh, if you're new to the call, um, quick understanding what FTG is all about. Then I will definitely get into some of the work we've been doing over the last six months. So uh, first, just a standard disclaimer that uh, about forward-looking statements. Um, you can read that later. Uh, company overview. So FTG, uh, our market focus is aerospace and defense. That's the only market we're interested in. Uh, within that, we have two product offerings. We do cockpit products, and that runs under the name FTG Aerospace, and we do printed circuit boards. That runs under the name FTG Circuits. But again, in both cases, we only sell into the aerospace and defense market. Um, the FTG of today, um, seven facilities, uh, generally paired together with one exception. So in Toronto, where we started, we have a circuits facility and aerospace facility about 10 minutes apart. In Chatsworth, California, we have a circuits facility and aerospace facility about two inches apart. Uh, in China, we have a cockpit product business, FTG Aerospace Tianjin, and a joint venture called FTG Printronics doing circuit boards uh, about 10 minutes apart in Tianjin. And then lastly, um, a standalone in Fredericksburg, Virginia, we have an FTG circuits facility that we acquired in 2019. Um, last few years have been interesting for us. Uh, definitely the aerospace market was impacted by the pandemic. So uh, if you go back to pre-pandemic, our sales were 112 million last year in 21. Um, they were 80 million. Uh, our 22 year has been, is done, but we have not reported it. So all I can talk about right now is the first nine months of 22 were 66 million. But you know, generally we're seeing between the 10 15 percent recovery in 22 from uh, the bottom of the pandemic uh, one year prior to that. They have 475 employees. Uh, that's already mentioned, 24 million shares outstanding. Oak West is the largest, largest shareholder with about 20%, followed by me at about 10%, um, and then so on uh, down the curve. Um, a quick lesson on FTG, so the economics of the company. 
Uh, we are a manufacturer. We have you know significant fixed costs, but 30% of our costs are fixed. The rest are variable. The only reason I mentioned that is um, as revenue goes up or as revenue goes down, uh, you get um, either a big benefit or a, a big impact uh, because of the fixed cost. And we like it better when the revenues are going up. Uh, the other item on this page is the exchange rate. Um, the aerospace industry basically operates in US dollars. And so the exchange rate between Canadian and US dollar matters to us primarily for our uh, uh, Canadian operations. Um, hopefully this is the last time I'm going to talk about it in any presentation, but uh, so if there was a pandemic, um, a little bit of data on it. So this is uh, U.S. air travel, because uh, that really ultimately impacts the aerospace industry. Uh, you can see air travel basically went to zero in 2020, and then it slowly recovered. Uh, and I didn't quite run this out all the way to the end of 22, but um, essentially U.S. air travel has re recovered to pre-pandemic levels. That's the good news. Um, more directly relevant to us is commercial aircraft deliveries. Uh, so this goes back to 2018 and uh, the blue bar is Airbus, the orange bar is Boeing. Um, so 2018 was a great year. 2019 started to get a little complicated because Boeing stopped shipping 737s. Uh, then the pandemic hit, so Airbus dropped off, Boeing dropped off even further. But you can see the recovery building back starting in 21 and building back in 22, but still this is not quite back to pre-pandemic levels. So there is still a little bit of work to do to get the aer aerospace business back to uh, where we were in 2019 and hopefully beyond that. Um, so what did we do during the pandemic? Uh, very quickly, really three things. Um, you know, we've always said we want to be in a range of markets within aerospace and defense. So we talked about we play in the air transport market, which is the big plane. We play in the business jet market. We play in the helicopter market. We play in the simulator market. And we play in the defense market. And they really do all move in their own, uh, in their own uh, cycles. And therefore, as various segments go up or down, you know, we hopefully have a more stable revenue stream. Now, certainly what happened during the pandemic was, was painful. But the fact that we're not 100% in, in commercial air transport made it a little bit less painful for us. Uh, second thing we did, manage costs across, across the company. When the pandemic started, we didn't know what to expect, so we just hunkered down. Um, and we managed the balance sheet. Uh, and amazingly, coming out of the pandemic, our balance sheet is stronger than we went into the pandemic with. But as noted at the end there, we did play defense for two years. But where are we today? Um, you know. And, Really, our focus in 22 is we had to change FTG's mindset, and we worked really hard on this. Uh, you can't win if you only play defense, uh, so we're not going to just play defense. Uh, we are playing some offense now, uh, both in terms of internal activities, chasing winning new work, and certainly corporate development. I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, in a few minutes. And we're taking advantage of our balance sheet. As I said, our balance sheet's the strongest it's ever been, so we're pursuing new sales opportunities. We're investing equipment across our facilities, we're investing in R&D, investing in new programs, investing in acquisitions, and even looking at capital allocation and strategies, um, things like a share buyback. So financial performance over the last number of years, not a great chart, uh, but this is what happens when a pandemic hits the, the industry. So 2019, we peaked at 112 million revenue. Um, I've really already touched on this, you know, went down to 80 million last year and you know, we were 
growing at about 10 to 15% this year when that becomes annualized. Uh, on EBITDA, as I said earlier, top line drives bottom line in this business uh, with a bit of a multiplier. And so um, our EBITDA has really the same shape curve. Um, Semi-complicated chart, but this ultimately is hopefully showing a bit of good news. So the blue line is revenue from the beginning of 21 through the end of Q3, uh, 22. So seven quarters of data. You can see the revenue, uh, not a perfect line, but is, is increasing as the industry recovers. Uh, and then the orange bar and the gray bar are adjusted EBITDA and adjusted income taking out government support and you know it proves what you know a couple of things but first and foremost just proves that you know we really did need government support both in canada and the us to get through the pandemic uh and we took advantage of the wage subsidies in canada and the ppp loans in the us um, and they really kept us going through the pandemic but as we got into the last couple of quarters of 22 the government support is gone which is probably appropriate and the, our revenue has recovered sufficiently where we are profitable now uh, without the benefit of, of any government support. And so if the industry can continue to recover, um, hopefully this trend will continue into future quarters. Uh, balance sheet, we've always had a great balance sheet. Um, we ended 21 with the best working capital ever. And then in, in 22, you see working capital drop a little bit and cash drop. We actually bought one of our buildings in Chatsworth uh, in, in this year is really a defensive move. Um, we like to lease our facilities, but uh, the building went up for sale and to protect our, our operations there, we bought it. Uh, our intentions for sure are not to own it long-term, but to uh, do some form of sale leaseback, which we are in the midst of as we speak now. Um, and then, so looking forward, um, I decided, you know, how could I project this forward? And really it's, what I said a minute ago. So Q322 is our latest quarter we've reported, uh, and it's the baseline. And so that's what you see in, in the, the top in the, in the middle section, just our Q3 numbers. If you annualize those, um, it says, you know, our, our run rate is about 92 million. Our annualized EBITDA would be 11. Our income would be 2.9. And earnings per share would be about 12 cents. So that's, that's a baseline. Uh, and then, you know, as I project into next year, what could I expect? We're going to see, give or take, approximately $10 million revenue growth this year. So if that repeated next year, uh, given our fixed cost I talked about earlier, you know, $10 million in incremental revenue could add $3 million in incremental EBITDA and pre-tax income. And that really just rolls forward into the table at the bottom of, of the page. Our estimate for next year would be 100 to 105 million of revenue, 13 to 15 million EBITDA, five to five and a half of income, and 20 to 23 cents of earnings. Um, and you know that I guess the key on that is this is all about ramping operations. Uh, right now, this year, our demand is ramping faster than we can ramp operations. Mm. Uh, and so if we can continue to ramp our operation the next year, um, I'm not worried about the demand side of the equation. The key is, can we ramp our production to get back to these sort of numbers? Uh, I think we can. As I said earlier, our high point was 112 million in sales. So this is still not back to where we were pre-pandemic, but it's getting us there. Uh, corporate development. So as uh, Paul said, we've been busy. 
really, you know, the key thing for us uh, that really is a, a great add-on and a you know, great leverage for the company is uh, we've announced two acquisitions uh, in the last couple of months, uh, announced acquiring a company called IMI uh, near Boston. Uh, they do RF circuit boards for the defense industry. And then a week or so ago, we announced uh, a deal for holiday circuits based in Minnesota. Uh, they do high technology uh, circuit board for the aerospace and defense industry. Uh, both great fits for the company, uh, very aligned with our market focus, very aligned with our product offering, um, adds to our capability of things we can uh, sell to our customers. Uh, and I guess having said that, the key thing on both of them is uh, we are a foreign acquirer. So any deal to acquire a U.S. company now needs essentially U.S. State Department approval. And so we're working through those approvals for both of these acquisitions. And generally, this is a two to three to four month process, depending on, on the government. And we certainly do not control the government timeline on this. Um, delving into them in a little bit more detail. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, IMI, um, as I said, focused on the RF circuit board market. It's a bit of a niche market, but it's something all of my customers uh, have some spend in. IMI's largest customer is a company called Mercury Systems, uh, new customer to us. Uh, so that could be interesting. IMI, interesting enough, was not impacted by the pandemic, but again, because really they're focused in the defense market. Um, price we paid for IMI was 1.6 million US, so relatively small acquisition, and at a great multiple, uh, we bought it, uh, depending on how you do the math, between two and three times recent EBITDA. So, you know, very low multiple, which I think will be great for us. Uh, we are waiting for the CFIUS approval, that's US State Department. Um, we do see some cost savings um, and cost synergies post-closing, but we'll also expect to see some higher rent. Basically, the current owner of IMI owned the building as well and was you know, doing what made sense for him, but it was really not, not market rent. So we're gonna ultimately probably net out about break even on cost savings and higher rent. Uh, we definitely can protect future income with some FTG US tax losses. So that will be good for the future. Um, a little bit of incremental CapEx plan next year to improve the facility and add some capacity, but nothing that overall was really material to FTG. Uh, and we're assuming consistent performance in 23 and beyond. Uh, you can see the table below. It's been pretty consistent over the years. Um, and then I guess the key for us is IMI has had zero external sales team. Really the owner was selling when he got a moment, but you know we're gonna bring our team of eight people across North America and hopefully be able to expand uh, their business in, in the future years. Um, the results are, as you can see, you know, kind of ranging in the three, three millions um, of revenue over the last number of years, ramped up a little bit in 22, but does more recently kind of run in the five, six, 700,000 range um, and income in the three to three to 500,000. This year has been a great year for them. Uh, hopefully that can continue into the future. Uh, so it's going to be a good ad for us. Uh, not, not huge numbers, but nice little tuck in. The good news is from an integration perspective, our intent is to run it as is where it is. So integration is going to be very simple, uh, relatively low risk. Uh, holiday, um, a bigger story for sure. Uh, so Holiday's business is aerospace and defense, high technology circuit boards. Uh, that on the defense side, that's something that's really been something we wanted to add. Um, our goal at FTG has always been 
to try to be a one-stop shop for our customers across everything they need. Um, right now, our high-end circuit board shop is in Toronto. They can do aerospace and defense, but not all the defense, because some of the defense stuff will not leave the US. Uh, with the addition of holiday, we believe we can penetrate some of the US defense or the def US only defense market uh, with the capability uh, that holiday has. Uh, they're big customers, sorry, they, they have been our number one target for over a decade. Um, they're truly a great fit for FTG. Uh, as I said, they, they fill a hole in what we can offer to customers. Um, their business is very aligned with what we do. We compete with them everywhere we go. You know, we win some, they win some. Uh, so putting us together, I think it's gonna be just great upside uh, for the combined company. Their big customers are Honeywell, BAE, L3 Harris. Um, their business was impacted by the pandemic. Uh, their business really follows a very similar curve to what we saw at FTG. Um, this year, their orders have recovered like we've seen our orders recover. Um, their production is not really ramped uh, due to staff, sh uh, staff shortages. Um, this is a big challenge right now. Uh, demand is not a challenge, but their staffing was about 190 people in 2019. They're currently at 150. They've essentially added no people this year. Uh, I think they just took a little bit too long to get started to really try to add people. And you know that's hurt their ability to ramp. Uh, it's reflected in their lead times, their lead times for products. Historically, we're about eight weeks. They're currently at 26 weeks. So their demand is greatly outstripping their ability to produce product. Uh, our price for them, a little bit complicated. There's a base price and then an earn out, but uh, the base price is 17.6 US um, with an earn out of up to 4.4 million based on future performance over the next 18 months. Um, our valuation on this a little bit higher than IMI, but still a, a good multiple. Uh, about 4.4 times, 2019 EBITDA, um, and again, that's before the earnout part of the price. Same as IMI, we're awaiting CFIUS uh, submission and approval. Hopefully we're getting the submission in today, today or tomorrow, uh, and hopefully we get good news by the end of Q1 or maybe early Q2. Uh, definitely there's some cost synergies. Uh, we expect post-closing, we've compared materials we buy and what they buy. Um, we can save some money on the cost side. I think there's some pricing opportunities. Tougher to put a hard, you know, put your finger on this because we don't build the exact same part numbers, but I do believe um, there is some pricing opportunities to uh, move this, uh, you know, move the revenue up and, and move the margins up. Um, and again, on the sales side, Holiday is one salesperson. We're going to bring eight more. So hopefully we can continue to add, uh, you know, some revenue to them. Uh, again, FTG has U.S. tax losses. It can shield some holiday income for the next little while. Um, and then as we look forward, you know, we expect them to build their revenue in 23 and hopefully get to around one to two million EBITDA and then get to a full recovery in 24 uh, back to that three to five million dollar EBITDA. Um, a million numbers on the company, uh, you know, the last number of years. Uh, really, 2017 to 2019 is pre-pandemic numbers. I like 2019. That was you know where we were all at uh, pre-pandemic. So they did over 31 million of sales and four million of EBITDA. Uh, 2020 and 21, you know, 21 was skewed by a bunch of government support in the U.S. Uh, 22 looks kind of scary, but if you look at it by quarter at the bottom of the page. 
Um, you can see their throughput, not necessarily the revenue ramped uh, from Q1 to Q2 to Q3. Um, their EBITDA ramped uh, and their income or loss was reduced. Um, their key, have, again, has been not a lack of demand, but a uh, lack of ability to ramp uh, their, their production due to staff shortages. And that's certainly the number one priority for them and us uh, is to get some more people in the building so we can ramp production and, and get them back on the sort of numbers they were pre-pandemic. Um, so what's this, when you put it all together, so uh, FTG in total for 23, uh, you know, we're assuming nine months of IMI and eight months of holiday uh, in 23, so not full year. Uh, due to the, the State Department approvals. But you know, with these acquisitions, we're looking at revenue in the 125 to 130 range, about 15 to 17 million earnings, 5.7 to 6.5 and 20 to 27 cents of EPS. And I just put um, you know, comparison there to 2019. Um, we look like we could, with the acquisitions, get back to and above where we were uh, in the 20, in 2019 pre-pandemic. Um, and then just looking forward to 2024, didn't put a lot of detail in here, but if we see continued growth in the market, uh, get the full year benefit of the acquisition and get holiday back to pre-pandemic levels, I think we're looking at an EBITDA of $20 million uh, for FTG uh, consolidated. Uh, there are upsides and downsides in all of this, uh, or risks and, and benefits. Um, upsides, if we can get holiday ramped faster, that would be an upside. Uh, if we can pass through higher than anticipated price increases, um, that could add some upside. Uh, if we find more than expected cost savings, uh, another upside. And then certainly we've not factored in any customer synergies from any acquisitions. Uh, so, you know, that could also add a benefit. On, on the other side, uh, there are still supply chain disruptions, um, something that I think we've done a good job mitigating so far, but, um, you know, we'll see how that goes next year. Um, if there is higher inflation on our raw materials, then we anticipate that could be downside. Um, and similarly, if there's lower than expected cost savings from the acquisition, another downside. Um, and not related to the acquisition, but certainly, as I said, right in the beginning, um, any significant change or strengthening of Canadian dollar is a downside for us. And then lastly, there's just a little bit of rumblings these days about there might be a recession. And of course, that, that would be something that would create a downside uh, overall for the company. Um, capital allocation, cash management, important part of what we're focused on FTG these days. Um, first thing in terms of capital allocation or three-point plan, invest organically to ramp throughput and drive technology. Uh, we did implement an NCIB this year to buy back up to 5% of our outstanding stock. Um, as of this moment, we bought back about half a million shares. Uh, and then thirdly, to pursue corporate development opportunities, which is what I just talked about. Uh, so that's what we've been focused on to deploy our cash. Um, and the goal is to deploy our cash to improve our profitability, improve our returns and definitely play some offense. Um, on the cash management side of things, a lot of bullets on this page, but you know, all of them are, are important. Uh, FTG has always been a consistent cash generator for the last number of years. Uh, we, have, we ended 
Q322 is a substantial cash balance. We have a $20 million US bank facility. Uh, we were approved for Canadian air refunding, which is aerospace regional recovery initiative funding from the federal government for up to $7 million. That gives us an interest-free loan through 29. Um, we are in the midst of completing a sale leaseback or a transfer facility, which would generate $8.5 million, which is what we paid for the facility. Um, we're actually repatriating cash from our China facilities. Uh, they've had a great couple of years. Uh, they're throwing off lots of cash. It's not trivial to get money out of China, but we've actually got some back already and working to get a little bit more. Uh, we're pursuing a second round of government financing for up to another $2.5 million, uh, which would be interest-free for two to three years. And at the end of all that, we can complete these two acquisitions that we've talked about and end up with a strong balance sheet and a minimal bank debt. Uh, a lot of numbers on this page, but really this is just sources and uses of cash. The top is the acquisitions, IMI, holiday base price, holiday earnout um, combined is about 31.6 million Canadian. Uh, how would we finance all of that? Uh, we start with our cash balance we had at the end of Q3, take out the cash at the US or at the China sites, add back the cash we are repatriating from the China sites, sell the facility in Chatsworth, use some of our government funding uh, we're pursuing some U.S. funding as well, um, some of the additional government funding, and at the end of it all, about $5.5 million of bank debt, and that would be our total bank debt uh, to be able to do these two acquisitions. So our balance sheet uh, would remain strong. Most of our debt would be on interest-free government debt with just a small amount with our, our primary lender. So... Quick summary, so definitely the pandemic hurt FTG in 2021, reduced demand, created lots of operational challenges, but we got through it. The aerospace market is truly recovering fast. Um, we're leveraging our balance sheet to invest in operations, invest in technology, grow buyback shares, complete acquisitions, and really drive improved financial performance. And we are playing offense across all of our initiatives right now. And that is our quick story and quick update of what we've been doing over the last five or six months. Fantastic. Thank you, Brad. Um, I'll remind everybody, if you've got a question you'd like me to ask Brad, please use the chat function and uh, I'll do my best to ask a question. Um, Brad, these last two acquisitions you've done here, um, I mean, were there any shares issued uh, for the transactions or is it strictly a, a sort of a call it a cash sale? Yeah, both of them are, are pure cash. Um, we are not... Definitely not issuing any any stock right now. You know, we're actually, I guess, doing the opposite. We are doing our NCIB and buying back mm -hmm. some of our stock because uh, we do believe it has been undervalued for the last number of months. Uh, but the acquisitions, pure cash. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Now, um, you, you sort of talked about some of the challenges you're facing, and, and I, I can see that, and we're hearing it from so many other companies trying to staff or trying to get uh, you know qualified staff, I gotta imagine that's not exactly super easy in this environment, or is it for you guys? No, I mean, it's, it's not easy, but it's also not impossible. Um, mm. You know, if I look at our Toronto facilities, we're putting together a little bit of data on this. So in the last year in Toronto, so both facilities in Toronto, we added between 15 and 20 people uh, as the business ramped back up. So it's not huge numbers, but we didn't manage to find people and, uh, 
you know, fills most of the holes we needed to get filled. Uh, but, you know, and I'm going to just go back to holiday a little bit. Um, you know, they have not added this year. And I, I think, you know, they, I guess a number of things, I think they got themselves distracted because, they, you know, they were selling the company. And so they were more focused mm -hmm. on that and not focused on, on, you know, dealing with operational uh, opportunities that they should have been dealing with within the business. Um, and they're just slow off the mark. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, so they, they really through the year up until no, through the full year, they did not really add many people, but um, in December, I did see them, you know, starting to make some offers and, and get going on this. So it's not gonna be trivial, but it's also, I don't think it's impossible. I think it was just, uh, you know, a bit of a lack of focus on their side to get them to where they are right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, two two acquisitions in the last, uh, at least announced in the last few months, it'll take a while to, to get approval and, and uh, sort of integrate, but are you guys still on the prowl for, for other opportunities or are you going to sort of digest these for a while and then get back out there? Yeah, um, a bit of both, um, if that's possible. You know, for sure, the priority is, you know, get the State Department approval, get these closed, because these mm -hmm. acquisitions are not actually closed at this moment. Um, but uh the way things have played out is the exact opposite of what I expected. Um, I expect that there's going to be opportunities through the pandemic because, you know, people were going to be struggling and activity was down and, and there was nothing, no mm -hmm. discussion, no activity during the pandemic. Now that it's over, um, there's opportunities everywhere. So, you know, we got two across the goal line or almost across the goal line. We're focused on getting those done. Integration is going to be relatively straightforward because in both cases, they're, you know, buy them, run them as is, where is, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's a pretty simple integration for us. Uh, and we will continue discussions <laughs> with anyone else who is interested in talking to us. And, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything imminent, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see where the discussions go. Um, mm -hmm. And if someone's ready, we'll talk to them. Perfect. Um, and then just generally, I mean, we're, we're hearing so much more about onshoring, you know, uh, sort of North American business coming back to North America or North American manufacturing coming back. Are you seeing that? Is that something you can take advantage of? Um, obviously with, um, you know, the, the rules around defense uh, manufacturing and products like that, it, it's got to be U.S. focused. But outside of that, are you seeing other evidence of uh, sort of that, that de demand from, from uh, onshoring, let's call it? Yeah, I, I cannot decide. Um, for sure, we're hearing lots of discussions about onshoring and you know we're talking with some customers about onshoring, uh, but we have operations in China and mm -hmm. both operations in China had record years in 22. And it, I just, I can't reconcile these things. It's, you know, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of discussion about onshoring, but yet my China operations are growing you know, faster than any other sites at FGG right now. Um, so I, what can I say? I'm seeing both. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, but, but on the aerospace side, so we leave out defense, are you seeing any pockets geographically that are growing faster than others? Like is, is Asia growing faster than North America or Europe is growing faster? What, what sort of, what do you see? Yeah. Um, the aerospace market's a very global market. It's hard to say it's growing in one area or another area. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I guess what I would say, you know, the, the two big players, Boeing and Airbus, um, 
and you know both of them for sure global both of them are operations around mm-hmm. the world um airbus is outperforming boeing um and it's just you know boeing's had a tough couple of years some you know partly due to the pandemic but mm-hmm. uh they had their significant challenges around the 737 max uh and so you know they halted production on that for almost two years um there's 787 which was a great plane for them and we have lots of content on had the same thing their production halted for the best part of a year as they went through some you know concerns and issues with the faa um that's just ramping back so it it's more of a it's not a geographic thing but uh as i say airbus has outperformed boeing um over the last couple of years just in terms of operating performance and uh, not having to deal with some of those challenges mm-hmm. gotcha and, and and then um you know, I, I would imagine visibility is getting better now that we're out of the pandemic and things are sort of right-sizing a little bit more. Do you guys have a sense or do you even give any kind of backlog numbers? What 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 kind of does the business look like now, you know, let's call it on a pro forma basis with, uh, with these two acquisitions? Well, um, with these two acquisitions, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, what I was going to say, and I got to be a little careful, right? So our year end is over. We have not reported, so I can't really talk a lot about our, our year end uh, situation. But typically mm-hmm. at, at the end of a quarter, we will report backlog. Um, the one thing I would say is our backlog, excluding acquisitions, is the highest it's ever been without mm-hmm. getting into details of it. Um, mm-hmm. With the acquisitions, it's going to be higher. But I haven't really mm-hmm. done pro formas or really looked at what the backlog looks like. But mm-hmm. Demand is strong uh, everywhere right now. And, you know, so I keep saying demand is not the issue. It's the ability to produce, uh, mm. which is driving our, our future performance. Right. And and of the two sort of aerospace versus defense, um, give us give us your crystal ball sort of expectations. What 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 can we sort of expect in terms of, and I'm not asking for percentages, but just give us a sense of are we going to see you know, ongoing growth in defense? Are we going to see more out of aerospace? What do you think is likely to happen? Yeah, um, we're going to see growth on both sides. Um, and, you know, the easiest metric to, to track on the defense side is just U.S. defense spending because U.S. Mm-hmm. spending is such a key part of the overall uh, defense spend for the for the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, their, their spending, their budget for next year is higher, I'm going to say mid-single digits, something like that. Uh, and, you know, what's... Unfortunately, driving that is things like the situation in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense spending is becoming a topic of interest for a lot of countries right now um, because of what's going on there. So, that, you know, defense is growing. And at the same time, uh, the aerospace market is growing. Um, we're coming back from the pandemic. Uh, for sure, the aerospace market is growing faster than defense right now. Uh, and it's just, you know, the demand is coming back. Uh, Airbus has a backlog of, I don't know, five to seven years of production. Uh, and they're looking at ways to increase their, their production rates on, on their key planes, which is really the Airbus A320s. Uh, they also now have the A220, which was Bombardier's plane. Uh, that has a great backlog. They're doing a great job of selling that. So that production is ramping. Uh, and then Boeing is coming back to life. Um, you know, as I said, they they had a couple of planes that were in production for a few years, and you know that was super painful for them. But they're trying to get back to near pre-pandemic levels in a couple of years, uh, which is you know 
like 50% growth for them to, to get back to those levels. So commercial aerospace market is growing aggressively right now. And it, mm-hmm. this might be one of those um, unusual moments where we say we play in all these def- different segments and all of them are growing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't see some up and down or some down. They're all in a growth mode at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and um, sort of the, from, from an investor standpoint, so from us, you know, looking at you guys right now, what, what do you think is the things that we should focus the most on or pay the most attention uh, on? Maybe maybe future catalysts that, that could happen or, or industry shifts. What, what do you think makes the most sense to pay attention to? Um. You know, for sure, we you know we got to get these acquisitions across the goal line. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's important. I, I don't think that's a critical issue at this point, but we've got to get it done, uh, and maybe get it done in a timely way. Um, uh, but um, I'm not worried about that. I, I'd say I really just come back to what I've said a few times, which is, um, you know, if we can ramp our production, um, we will outperform the industry and we will be able to grow our market share and keep our customers happy. Uh, and it's really about operating performance right now for us. Um, assuming the acquisitions are, you know, done deal. Uh, if we can get everyone ramped, um, you'll see the revenue grow and, you know, we get great operating leverage from, from growing top line, uh, mm-hmm. which will drive profitability. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it sounds simple. It's certainly you know, there's lots mm-hmm. of moving parts to to operational performance, but that's what it's all about for us right now, um, and that's what we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad, um, you know, you're, you're still a microcap um, by a lot of definitions. Um, the you know certainly the the news of this acquisition has helped the share price, um, but I mean, are are you seeing any you know? added interest from the investment community or analysts? I know there's a couple analysts, at least one following you right now, but is, is there been a change in sentiment around a company of your size right now? Can you um, change? It's certainly the holiday announcement generated more interest um, than we've seen in, in the last year or two. And, you know, as we hunkered down, you know, there was not a lot of people paying much attention to us. Holiday seems to have woken them up. <laughs> Maybe our, our timing is not perfect, uh, you know, perfect announcing this deal, you know, a couple of days after Christmas, but, you know, we are definitely, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of institutional investors you kind know, of circle back with me to understand what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. People like you are reaching out to me, you know, we're seeing some other people, you know, asking for, for meetings. So a lot of attention uh, really starting this week uh, once people got through the holidays. Uh, which is good. And, you know, I do mm-hmm. think it is a, you know, the holiday acquisitions, a material deal for us. It's a, it's a game changer for us, you know, significant upside mm-hmm. revenue and, and profitability. So uh, people are taking notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, the, the, the sort of the numbers around the acquisition certainly looks, uh, looks quite appealing and it's just good and encouraging for, for us microcap investors to see others start to pay attention and, and uh, you know, ideally sort of come down market and, and have an effect on, on a, a great business like yours. Um, one question I've got from somebody is around Oakwest Limited, which owns about 18% of the company. Um, what can you tell us about, about that investor and that holder? Yeah, um, I love them as an investor. Oak West is actually a family fund. Um, it is the Butel family. 
um, in Toronto and Oak West is their, their business. Um, and they invest in various companies. Uh, they invested in FTG, geez, I don't know, at least a decade ago. Um, they actually at one point owned almost half the company um, wow. and have slowly taken money off the tables as the stock price moved up. Uh, but they're, you know, they're a long-term investor. Uh, they are, um, you know, they understand the business. Robert Butel, who runs Oak West, is actually on our board. Um, and he is a great board member. Um, he, you know, really provides great advice and, and really makes our board meetings, you know, super valuable. Um, and yeah, that's long-term investor been great for us and they made a lot of money off us. So it's been good for everyone. Win-win <laughs> uh, for sure. Right, right. Uh, that's awesome. Um, Listen, I mean, this has been great. This is uh, just what uh, I was hoping for is a nice uh, update like this. But but Brad, is there any any sort of key messages or maybe anything you, we may have missed that you want to make sure that uh, everybody walks away with today? Um, yeah, and it, it might start with a little bit of a negative side. But, you know, one of the concerns of FTG had been, over the last couple of years had been we had somewhat of an inefficient balance sheet. We were sitting on a lot of cash, not generating much return for it. And Maybe there's a second concern earlier this year when we bought the facility in Chatsworth that that was not a great investment because you know it doesn't really generate return. Uh, and you know I heard that from shareholders and and I agree with that. I agree with both of those. Um, the good news is, um, you know we've been working hard on it uh, and you know we've solved the issue of the investment in the facility in Chatsworth. You know we are in due diligence to hope to close the sale of that building shortly. And then more importantly, we have deployed the cash that we had on our balance sheet, I think in a couple of great acquisitions where we're really gonna generate good returns from them. Um, and so we listen to shareholders, um, I like the inputs from shareholders and I think we've addressed them to make FTG better than it was pre-pandemic. Fantastic. Well, well, listen, Brad, um, congratulations on the, the progress so far, and certainly congratulations, uh, maybe a little premature, but it looks like uh, not, not much of a hurdle to jump over for these acquisitions. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today and getting us updated, and certainly look forward to catching up with you in the near future. Great. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Fantastic. We've been speaking with CEO Brad Bourne. Uh, friend Technologies FTG on the TSX. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks again. Thank you.